Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, this is uh, getting into the warm summer months. We've got kids, I'm sure, swimming in pools. Do you guys have any summer activities that, that your family normally does? Yeah, you know, we are taking a family vacation here in a few weeks. That's going to be good. Uh, going to the beach, spending so much new time, especially after the last uh, two years of mm. with, with COVID restrictions and, and really, you know, a lot of uncertainty. It's nice to um, be able to travel and plan yeah. and, and spend time, much needed time with, mm. with family away from the house. Yeah, for yeah. sure. What, what beach are you going to? We're going to Folly Beach. So oh, nice. right, right, right near Charleston. And uh, yeah, we went there three years ago. Um, before our twins were born, and now this mm. will be the first time the twins have been to the beach. So we're we're excited for that. Oh wow, you're taking all four? All four? Wow, yeah, fun, fun. Probably can't leave twins at home. I, you know, it'd be <laughs> interesting to leave, leave twins at home, uh, but uh, we're gonna that. take them. Okay, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, and it's interesting just thinking through summer. Um, you know, it's a it's a unique time for a lot of families jumping into a season with maybe less less structure with school. Uh, I know some school uh, districts are doing a year round school next year, yeah. which will be interesting. Yeah or in 2024. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting thinking through summer plans and um, yeah, just thinking through what, what are your summer plans? That, that can be maybe a, a difficult question for, for you if you have young kids. Does that look like day camps? Does that look like, mm-hmm. um, you know, different things? It, it's important to think through that as we, as we get into the summer, just because kids do like structure. They do like um, some of that. Do, you oh, kid, yeah. do your kids have any, any plans as far as? As far yeah, as you know, the, like you're absolutely right. Kids love structure. I mean, humans like love structure, right? Right. And uh, kids love it. They love, we have their chore charts and uh, mm. activities and they're doing some camps. Uh, but for me, you know, summer is a good time to kind of reset. Think about what, you know, what matters to you. How do you want mm. to spend time with your family, your loved ones? You have, um, you know, kids are off school, a little bit of a slower pace. Mm. And uh, just start to think about, yeah, what what does summer mean to you? So yeah, what what about yourself, Matthew, with with no kids? What does mm. summer? What yeah, what does it look like for you? Is it any different? Yeah, that's a good question. So it it does look different from an activity standpoint. I love being outside. I love being active. So it is a fun time of the year, right? Um, it, it is it is easier to exercise. I enjoy exercising on the greenway, uh, running, biking. Um, from a community standpoint, from a church standpoint, not much has changed other than the high schoolers that I've. I work with are out of schools. So there is more time, more flexibility with that. But agreeing with you, just having that structure in place, even with downtime, mm-hmm. um, with vacations, we just went on a, a family a vacation and getting back into a rhythm and routine um, is good. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's helpful. Um, so yeah, excited for, for all of you guys getting into summer. Um, and I hope it's, hope it's a good summer. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, I'm Matthew Travis. I'm a financial advisor here at the firm and I've been working with the firm, uh, for about four years now. Yeah, and I'm Zach Albanese. Uh, I've been here with Richard Young Associates for a year and a half, but I've been in the industry for about three years now. Nice. And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Uh, we're exclusively up every week on Friday afternoons, so you can find our show up on our website through moneymd.net or iTunes every Friday and listen to us anywhere in the world. Uh, also, check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us and ask us your questions and link to our previous shows. All right, so we're going to start off with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, the financial fact of the week has to do with NFTs. And for you that don't know, it means non-fungible tokens. And if you still don't know what that means, that's okay. Uh, But 
NFTs were a huge interest in this last year, but um, the number of searches for the term, uh, it actually, it peaked in January, uh, according to Google Trends, and has fallen roughly 80% since then, while the NASDAQ has fallen 23%. Uh, Bitcoin has fallen 43% from its high. And uh, an NFT of the first tweet from Twitter, I found this really interesting, this was uh, mm. a couple months ago, um, was was sold in um, March of 2021 for $2.9 million. Mm. With an money. NFT. With... An NFT, which okay. is a not real thing. Right. Yeah. So that's what NFT It's NFT. basically the rights of this thing that you're buying. Rights of the digital image. This or, asset. Right, yeah, right. right. So it was sold for $2.9 million in it's 2021. Crazy. You know, so the market peaked in January. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let's see. Uh, I, I believe it was in in April, mm-hmm. earlier this year. Um, Mr. Astavi put the NFP up for option. So Mr. Astavi is the one who bought this for two point nine million. Two point nine million. He put it up. He didn't receive any bids. What do you get? What do you think that number is that he didn't receive any bids above? Um, a million. A million dollars. So he, yeah. he lost two, more than fifty percent. So two point nine down to a million. That'd be generous, Matthew. He didn't receive any bids above fourteen thousand oh dollars, which he's he trying to get rid of it. He's trying to get rid of it. He and didn't he accept it. He did not accept the fourteen thousand uh, dollar bid. But can you imagine that? That's that's incredible. So just these, you know, we 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 are entering into this this, or I guess we're we're seeing now. We're not right. entering into. It. We're coming out of this insanely overpriced market with things like NFTs, crypto, a lot of tech stocks, um, but NFTs obviously that. Two point nine million to fourteen thousand is is quite um, the discrepancy. So yeah, and we had clients asking us, you know, over the last we haven't had it, I haven't heard it in the last six months or so, but in the last two years, we had clients asking us, "Hey, are you guys invested in NFTs?" Kind of asking, like, "Hey, this is the new hot trend. This is what we're hearing on you know on on the news. Uh, is this what you guys are doing?" And, and resoundedly, we said no. And it's just because of this. I mean, we we of course didn't know that this would be. You know, an antidote that we could use, but it's it's like this with tech stocks. You're right, or you know, single companies. It can be very risky. It can do very well. Mm-hmm. You can buy a worthless piece of thing for two point nine million dollars, then it could double, or it could go down to fourteen thousand. So yeah. there's just no way to predict any of this, um, just in general. So that is that's a that's a really interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Note. Yeah, and it's it's not really investing, right? It's it's you can you can get lucky in these things, but it'd be more akin to, to gambling than. Than good investment planning. So, yeah. yep, um, yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, your your thoughts on that. And that's the financial fact of the week. Uh, we're gonna now go ahead and get into our first article, which has to do with inflation. Um, this came out recently, a couple weeks ago, or I guess last week. Mm-hmm. Um, this was uh, talking about the Fed's favorite inflation measure. When I when I read that at first, I was like, Oh, oh the man. Fed has their their they favorite inflation measure, and you know they do because. There are certain measures that indicate certain things different than kind of what maybe we see or we, we, we know about CPI. That's kind mm-hmm. of a common one, consumer price index. Um, but the Fed looks at it at a different one. So we're going to get into that and see so, yeah, what does it mean that the Fed's uh, favorite inflation measure uh, or I guess what does it mean and what they saw in it? So mm-hmm. we'll get into that right here. Um, so the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge rose 4.9% in April. Which is which is still elevated, right? But nonetheless, that number was exciting to them because it indicates that price price pressures could be actually easing a bit, which mm. is what the um, the the Commerce Department reported last week. That increase in the core personal consumption expenditures price index 
was in line with expectations and reflected a slowing pace from the 5.2% reported in March. So that's why they're excited. Mm -hmm. It's slowing. This indicator is slowing down. Uh, This number excludes volatile food and energy prices uh, that have been a major contributor to inflation, which has led to it running around its 40-year peak, and that's what we've been talking Mm -hmm. about. The 0.3% increase uh, on a monthly basis was the same as March and in line with the Dow Jones estimates. Um, the monthly gain was held back by a decline in energy prices during April that has since reversed. So including food and energy into this, personal consumption expenditures increased 6.3% in April from a year ago. Um, but that also was deceleration from the 6.6% pace, percent pace the previous month. Yeah. So however, uh, the monthly change showed a more market, market pullback with an increase of just 0.2% compared with the 0.9% surge in March. March. And these numbers might like 0.2s and 0.9s might not seem like a lot, but even the the most subtle difference really it really does matter. So yeah, and these are um, these are just expectations. These are these are what um, the the commerce department is seeing from a pricing standpoint. I think it's looking specifically at businesses, so it's excluding yeah. some of the the more volatile uh, consumer products that really are changing uh, so rapidly. It, it may rapidly, not be a, right. It yeah. may not be a good metric. So it's looking at more of the the longer term accurate standpoint of of these uh, inflation numbers. Yeah, but the data showed that consumers continue to spend, but we're tapping into their savings to do so. Mm-hmm. While this is not the best outlook for, for financial planning. It is not, no. It's not. Um, <laughs> when people do spend money, the economy tends to bolster as companies will then sell more products and increase profits to shareholders. Right. Um, <clears throat> so again, not a great thing to you know tap savings to go and spend more money, but it, from an economic standpoint, it, it does tend to help. Uh, consumers remained undaunted by inflation last month, strongly increasing spending and changing their mix to more services um, to use uh, in, in the economy, such as bars and restaurants and travel and recreation as weather warms. And yeah, that's kind what, of what we were talking yeah, about that's initially. What we, yeah. what we talked about. Right. Uh, people are getting out more. Um, their spending, again, is in large part due to them uh, pulling from savings to do this. Um, so this is some of, the, some of the, the data that the Commerce Department is showing for the slowing of inflation uh, that people are spending more and the supply chains are getting back into into alignment with that. Yeah, you know, and along with the inflation data, the Bureau of Economic Analysis reported that personal income rose 0.4% during last month, which was a 0.1% decline from March and um, a slight miss from the 0.5% estimate. Consumer spending, however, held up, which is what, and it rose uh, better than expected at 0.9%. Um, so you had you had these uh, income rates declining, but spending still increasing. Mm-hmm. And, and so that tells you that people are, are still interested in yeah, going, going, doing things, buying things. Um, and so that is, is a, uh, obviously adding to this data here with the, the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Yeah. But um, any thoughts on that? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it is, it, it, it's hard. I mean, we do this podcast on a weekly basis and we have talked about, you know, inflation the last couple of weeks and, you know, here and there. And it's hard to say, Hey, it's going down and it's going to keep going down right. until this, but these are just some promising numbers that, that we've been seeing in, in the markets. Yeah. And so inflation for the past several months has been moving at a pace that has really not been seen from since the 1980s. And I think that's why people are concerned kind of and, out, and right? kind of freaked out. Uh, the inability of supply to keep up with demand has pushed prices higher, um, which has been fed by unprecedented fiscal stimulus during COVID. 
which was then clogged by global supply chains. And then we had the war in Ukraine that has sent en energy prices soaring and led to fears of, of really serious things like, like food shortages. And mm. so we have this really interesting time. It's not just inflation. We've got, we're coming out of, we're coming out of a pandemic. And so the analysis of these numbers, I think, is exciting to the Fed um, because it shows that maybe what they're doing might be working. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And while the lower level of inflation generated some relief in the White House, gas prices will be a factor again when uh, the May numbers come out uh, in, in just a little while. Prices at the pump have jumped again in May, surging more than 11% from a month ago and 51% from this time last year. And I, I've, I've personally seen that. It's Oh, yeah. It's hard. And, and honestly, with just a side tidbit, you see electric car sales increasing and smaller vehicle sales uh, increasing and then the larger vehicle sales decreasing right. during this time because of these gas prices. So it does affect uh, things yeah, really in the does. economy. That being said, Americans are getting out. Uh, they're getting out and about more and more as COVID restrictions are decreasing and more and more countries are allowing entry into their borders. Um, for example, this past week the, is the first week that all the cruise ships of a major cruise line were in use and were that's at pretty normal incredible. capacity. Yeah. yeah, and that's you know that's two years after a pandemic. But I mean, you look back and it's like, man, the, some of these cruise lines were down seventy or eighty percent, um, and they became value stocks. Yeah, um, right. They became value stocks uh, in mutual funds. So yeah, interesting, interesting to note that. Yeah, yeah. So responding to the to the price pressures. You know, um, as as what's happened in the last few week or few months is the Fed has implemented two interest rate um, increases, totaling seventy five basis points, and they have indicated that a series of hikes are going to happen until inflation comes uh, closer to the central bank's two percent goal. Um, and so the 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 PCE numbers we talked about earlier that were reported last week are lower than the consumer price index used by the Bureau of Labor mm. Statistics, which in April the the CPI, the consumer price index, rose. 8.3% uh, from last year. And so the two numbers differ, at, you know, you were, you were mentioning earlier, Matthew, that CPI tracks consumers, or what, what, consum <clears throat> what consumers are spending while the PCE is extracted from businesses. So the Fed considers the PCE number that we did, that 4.9% uh, number, uh, a broader based measure of what's happening uh, with prices on a variety of levels. So, and that's why they get excited about the PCE. That's why they get excited about the PCE number. Yeah, because that's a better indicator, at mm -hmm. least in gotcha. their eyes, than something like CPI. Sure. So with all that in mind, you know, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for consumers? Um, it can mean many things. But I think the important note is that inflation um, is one of the many factors people should consider in their family situation. Obviously, higher prices means you can do less things. You should be more intentional, kind of as we were talking about. What is what is the goal of your summer, mm -hmm. right? Think about some things that really are important to you and mm. focus on those things instead of maybe going about things the way you you used to, just just being more considerate and intentional uh, with the way you with the way you spend. Yeah, that's good. And, and and just to wrap up this article, I think Zach, you do a really good job of this. And since you've worked here, it's really it's honestly been a blessing to me um, and to other people as well. But there's a Greek word, uh, and you're smiling right now as I mentioned. It's it's a uh, telos. And, and that's, that's really, and honestly, just to break from this just for a moment, financial planning, we do want to help people be successful financially. We do want to help people accomplish what they desire, but we also help, we, we desire to help them think through their goals. And that's what telos means in the Greek. And I'll let you explain more on that. But we, we desire to talk about inflation, but then also to say, what is the goal of this? And like you said, what does this mean for me? How does this affect uh, where my family is heading. What what is a vision for our family? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Matthew just uh, 
revealed my deepest <laughs> secret that I, I love the, the word telos. Because though, as you were saying, it, it a telos is your kind of ultimate goal. What mm-hmm. motivates you? What drives you? And so when you think about things like inflation that are real, you have to think about, well, yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're retired and you have fixed income and you have to think about, well, what matters to me? How am I going to use my money to, to bring about the things that matter to me? Right. Uh, and so, yeah, always thinking about what is, what is your telos? What is your goal? And how does that influence mm-hmm. uh, your day-to-day uh, decisions and actions? And That's right. So, That's really good. Yeah. So um, inflation, the CPE, the Fed's excited. Who knows what that means for the future, but at least it's a good indicator it's a promising uh, for sure. of, of what, what's, what's uh, to go forward. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's a great article. Thanks for, for pulling that. And yeah, so uh, what's next here, Matthew? We got the question of the week. Okay, so let's get into this, Matthew. I'll ask it and you can, uh, you can respond here. Okay. So I've heard some different ages with retirement. There's a lot of different, a lot of different important ages. numbers, right? Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some ages out here and you're going to tell me what's significant about them. What is significant about the ages? We'll start with these two first, 55 and 59 and a half. Yeah, it's good. We actually were asked this um, yesterday from a client. And so 55 is the age when um, you, when a client, if they retire from an employer and they have a 401k and they retire after the age of 55, uh, but they're before the, the normal retirement age of 59 and a half, you can actually pull from your 401k without any penalty. Mm-hmm. There could still be taxes on there, but 55 is the age for 401k. 59 and a half is the normal age for pre-tax accounts, like an IRA or a 401k if you retired before age 55. So 59 right. and a half is the age pre-tax with no penalty. Yeah, it's like the golden age of you can you can pull your money. You you are able to pull from your retirement That's assets. right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Now two other numbers, 62 and 67. Yeah. So this these are social security numbers. So 62 is the first age. It's not um, your social security number. It's not. <laughs> it's just those are important. Those are. Uh, so 62 is the first age that you can pull Social Security. If you're a working individual, if your spouse passes away and you're a widow, then it's actually age 60. But 62 for most people is the earliest age. It's reduced from your full retirement age up to 70%. Uh, it's not penalized. It's just a reduction in the value. Uh, 67 is the normal full retirement, full retirement age right. if you're born after 1960. Yep. And then uh, the final two numbers, 70 and 72. Yeah, that's good. And, and I'll let you grab the 72 because um, it, it actually just changed uh, last year from, from another number. But 70 is the age, is the last age you can draw Social Security uh, without it not increasing anymore. So if you're right. 70 and you're still working and you're like, ah, I just want to keep working, go ahead and claim Social yeah, Security. It's not going to be reduced and, and you might as well do that. So 70 is, is the last age for Social yeah. Security. And 72, as you mentioned, just changed from 70 and a half uh, is the, the age at which you need to... Um, Take your RMDs, which is required minimum distributions from mm-hmm. your IRA to to pull uh, or four hundred one k to pull money out. You're required to take it. It starts out roughly about four percent right. at seventy two and increases as as you get older. Uh, but that's why seventy two is an, an important number. So good question. Yeah. These numbers are important. I know it can be complicated. So yeah, feel free to reach out if you have other questions on these these ages. Yeah, good question. Good question. All right, and we are going to move on to our, our second uh, article, and this is from Kiplinger, and this was a very recent article, and uh, it's talking about changing jobs and thinking through retirement plans. We'll jump right in. seems like everyone uh, or a lot of people are, are getting a new job or thinking about it. Many people have made job changes recently in, in low unemployment numbers uh, across the country. Um, even more Americans say that they may want to take advantage of new career opportunities and even the work-life balance that some jobs are offering with uh, more work-from-home opportunities. 
according to a recent study uh, from Alliance Life. More importantly, workers have the upper hand in the labor right now as what's been called uh, the great resignation is mm-hmm. continuing, um, which, is, which is interesting. It's, it's, this is from the large number of the workforce that were born in the 50s and 60s that are now entering uh, retirement. Uh, of those uh, 10 years or more away from retirement, more than a quarter said that they're likely to take a new job this year, um, either with a new company or going into business for themselves. And uh, with those uh, nearing retirement within 10 years, uh, it's higher. It's, it's more mm-hmm. uh, about a third are looking to to change uh, jobs, which is really interesting. It seems pretty high to me, but um, I guess people are looking for other things. Yeah. You know, when you think about a, a pandemic and, and, uh, just kind of what we as a country, as a world went through, you start to rethink sort of the the questions that are important to you. Yeah. Um, And so that probably is leading a lot of it. So, Mm. but you have to, you know, assess it um, in that while some jobs do come with higher salaries, better benefits, not all jobs do. And so some worry uh, that a change in employment can actually affect the pay for necessary things like housing and food. Um, What's concerning here is, is how workers think a job change could affect their retirement security too. You know, 60% of people worry that a new job will reduce the amount they can save. 56% worry it would require them to completely stop saving for retirement mm-hmm. just to take care of necessities. So the best case scenario is that a new job will increase your pay and in turn help you increase the amount you put toward retirement goals. Uh, but, don't ma- but no matter what, a change in employment, it is a great, you know, it's really a great time to revisit your financial strategy. You're resetting a bit, kind of like we were talking about with summer. Think about what you know. What is your? What are your spending habits like? What are your saving needs? And just to to reconsider. So we've got a few things to consider about how to reconsider your financial situation. Yeah, and this first one is a lifestyle creep. Uh, more than a half, fifty four percent of non retirees in the study admitted to spending too much on non necessities. I know. I can relate to that with Amazon, and I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. us can as well. And that tendency can be multiplied when we begin to earn more money. Upgrading your lifestyle when you get a pay raise does feel good. And and you can treat yourself just within reason. Do not upgrade every aspect of your life at one time. Uh, and really just to be aware of how this lifestyle creep um, can limit your ability to save for retirement and to be generous. It is good to practice uh, to continue to keep or regularly check on a budget. Even if your paycheck went up, this helps tamp down rampant spending. Um, you can instead take this opportunity to make different kind of upgrade. Maybe you maybe you save more. Uh, yeah. We know the spending rates are just astronomical in America, and, and maybe maybe we we reverse that trend and and you know in your life and your community, and we can we can save more, be more generous with with the income increase. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe think about your <clears throat> your debt situation. Can you use uh, that money to pay off debt, or maybe fund an emergency mm-hmm. fund? Uh, put away. Um, for for saving for a down payment on a house, think about the future a little sure. bit more. Yeah, what do you what do you want to do with your 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 job, your life, your career? Maybe a house is that. Um, it'd be also wise to increase your contributions to retirement plans uh, if you haven't done that in a while. Maybe reassess that. How's your four hundred one k look? Are you saving enough to get you on track so that when you reach retirement age, you can kind of live at the level that <clears throat> you expect? Um, if you boost your contribution contribution rate when you change your job or your salary increases, you really don't see the the amount you contribute. It's kind of like a trick to save more. Is sure. like just just do it automatically and then forget about it. And then 20, 30 years from now, you're like, wow, thank you that for helped. doing that. <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, as Matt Matthews, you're saying spending now it does give us that instant gratification, but 
thinking a little bit more long-term, investing in your future could pay off in the end because um, really time is your best friend when it comes to saving uh, for retirement. That's good. Yeah, and this next one is interesting. Don't lose out by leaving. So we actually had a client recently, uh, had an old 401k. I think it was about $11,000. I think he had stayed there for maybe a year and a half. I think they had a three-year vesting schedule. So all of the company match of that 11,000, um, the, the company match was not able to be rolled out because he wasn't invested. Mm. It's about $4,000. So, um, you know, thinking through, uh, if you're if you're a month away from being invested 100%, uh, maybe, maybe you stay another month. Uh, if it's a terrible situation, of course, there's situations where it doesn't make sense. But, um, you know, with his situation, um, it didn't really make sense because it wasn't a large amount compared to his overall portfolio. But, you know, thinking through the vesting schedule on these on these work plans uh, is important. Yeah, you know, another good um, <clears throat> thing to do is take a long term view of your new job offer. So, a new job, maybe you got a higher salary. It sounds like a win, but you should really think about how the pay and the benefits will work for you in the future. You know, when weighing a new job offer, uh, look at how pay, benefits, other non-salary compensation could help you prepare for retirement. Even though retirement might feel far away. These benefits and long-term planning uh, can help you attain the retirement that you envision. You know, compare how much employers will match <clears throat> on your 401k or contribute to uh, a healthcare plan or health savings account. Um, and so don't just look at, you know, what's going to happen in the next year or two. Think how it'll affect the next 10, 20 years. Yeah, that's really good. Um, another thing, and <clears throat> this is the last thing, and then we'll wrap up this article, but uh, it's keeping track of old 401ks. We, we see this all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, with, all the time. with clients having three, four, five old 401ks, and they come in, they're like, what should we do with these? And uh, you, you can leave them there. Um, you know, 401ks typically have very good funds you can be diversified in. Um, but from a simplicity standpoint, we often uh, encourage clients just to consider um, consolidating those into a single IRA. Uh, one, it, it's harder to lose a single IRA than it is to, mm -hmm. to lose maybe smaller 401ks that maybe they don't send paper statements and it's electronic and then you lose the email and you don't know it's out there. Um, from a statement standpoint, if you do receive paper, um, just simplifying it can can be a really good step for clients. But um, there's not one right answer, but just making sure you keep track of your old 401ks if you do change jobs um, is, is important. It also serves your heirs better uh, if you don't have 10 or 12 different accounts out there from different jobs uh, and you just have one location that they can go and find this information. One company can be helpful to them. So just something to consider uh, when, when you do change jobs. Yeah. You know, so I think reflecting on all this, you know, a new job, it's just, it's a useful time reason to examine your finances, your situation, it, your financial situation is likely change, maybe meeting with an advisor, talking about it, sitting down with somebody who does this on a regular basis is really helpful to help you plan your future out, gaining that perspective from others who have this experience or expertise uh, can just be really life-changing when charting out the next um, 5, 10, 20 years uh, for you and your family. So um, yeah, good article. Very good article. Yeah, I like it. And uh, I think we're on to our prescription. Yeah, that's a prescription of the, of the week. week. And we'll, um, we'll close with this. This is really interesting. And again, this this whole theme of this podcast is kind of been around, you know, the goal, the telos, the, the thinking through that. And, and this prescription is, is around that as well. And, and it is a softer side of finance, but it is underneath everything we talk about with clients. It, it really is. It's, it, it is about numbers, but it's what do the numbers mean uh, for families? So the, the prescription of the week is this. Take an inventory of your life 
and consider what in your life is actually important and what is not. There are many worries in our lives uh, that we concern ourselves with uh, that may be just noise that we don't need at all. Uh, we, we've seen clients pass away and um, all of a sudden their spouses are confronted with, wow, what, what do we do? And yeah. we're able to, to grieve with them. And then also it really does refine, it, it tends to be a refining moment for them to say, actually this stuff that I was just worried about two months ago does not matter. Oh, yeah. It does not matter. And so that's something we would, we would really encourage you um, again to consider is just what in your life is, is really important, what, what matters, because um, there's many things in our lives that I think we, we often value that, that just don't have that, that place of importance that they should, they should have. It's a good word. I know you, you signaled to me to speak, but I'm going to let the listeners just let that line. Just okay. chew on that one, Matthew. That was good. It's good. Okay, well, <laughs> with, on that note, if you have any questions <laughs> on life goals or anything like that, please reach out to us. We, we, we do sincerely desire to serve clients yeah, well. So absolutely. We, we'd love to talk with you about that if that is a new concept for you or just want to want to chat about that more. Okay, well, this has been uh, this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net. And send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of the week. Yeah, have a great weekend. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.